my land and my people, the memoirs of His Holiness the Dalai Lama of Tibet. The life of our family was simple, but it was happy and content, and much of his contentment was owed to Thubten Gyatso, the 13th Dalai Lama, who had been the spiritual and temporal ruler of Tibet for many years. During his rule, he had clarified and defined the status of Tibet as an independent nation, and he had also achieved a great deal for the betterment of his people. The eastern district where we lived was under the secular rule of China, but he was its spiritual leader and he had lived there for nearly a year so that the people were directly under his influence. He said in a testament he addressed to all his people, After I took up the duties of spiritual and secular administration, there was no leisure for me, no time for pleasure. Day and night I had to ponder anxiously over problems of religion and state in order to decide how each might prosper best. I had to consider the welfare of the peasantry, how best to remove their sorrows and how to open the three doors of promptitude, impartiality and justice. Through this devotion, the people of Tibet had begun to enjoy a long era of peace and prosperity. He himself had said, from that year, the year of the water bull, to this present water monkey year, this land of Tibet has been happy and prosperous. It is like a land made new. All the people are at ease and happy. But in the year of the water bird, that is in 1933, Thubten Gyatso departed from this world. And as the news spread through Tibet, the people were desolate. It was my father who brought the sad news to our village. He had been to the market in Kumbum and heard it in the great monastery there. The 13th Dalai Lama had done so much for the peace and welfare of Tibet that the people decided to build a golden mausoleum of special significance as a token of their homage and respect. By ancient custom, this splendid tomb was erected inside the Potala Palace in Lhasa, the capital of Tibet. With the passing of the 13th Dalai Lama, the search began at once for his reincarnation, for each Dalai Lama is a reincarnation of his predecessor. The first, who was born in the year 1391 of the Christian era, was an incarnation of Chenresi, the Buddha of Mercy, who made a vow to protect all living beings. First, a regent had to be appointed by the National Assembly to govern the country until the new reincarnation could be found and grow to maturity. Then, in accordance with the time-honored customs and traditions, the state oracles and learned lamas were consulted as a step towards finding out where the reincarnation had appeared. Curious cloud formations were seen in the northeast from Lhasa. It was recalled that after the Dalai Lama had died, his body was placed seated on a throne in Nobulinka, his summer residence in Lhasa, facing towards the south. But after a few days, it was seen that the face had turned towards the east. And on a wooden pillar on the northeastern side of the shrine, where the body sat, a great star-shaped fungus suddenly appeared. All this and other evidence indicated the direction where the new Dalai Lama would be sought. Next, in 1935, 
the Tibetan Woodhawk year, the regent went to the sacred lake of Lhamilhato at Chogurgil, about 90 miles southeast of Lhasa. The people of Tibet believe that visions of the future can be seen in the waters of this lake. There are many such holy lakes in Tibet, but Lhamilhato is the most celebrated of them all. Sometimes the visions are said to appear in the form of letters and sometimes as pictures of places and future events. Several days were spent in prayer and meditation, and then the region saw the vision of three Tibetan letters, Ah, Ka and Ma, followed by a picture of a monastery with roofs of jade green and gold and a house with turquoise tiles. A detailed description of these two visions were written down and kept a strict secret. In the following year, high lamas and dignitaries carrying the secrets of the visions were sent out to all parts of Tibet to search for the place which the regent has seen in the waters. The wise men who went to the east arrived in our region of Tokam during the winter and they observed the green and golden roofs of the monastery of Kumbum. In the village of Takser, they noticed at once a house with turquoise tiles. Their leader asked if the family living in the house had any children and was told that they had a boy who was nearly two years old. On hearing this significant news, two members of the party went to the house in disguise together with a servant and two local monastic officials who were acting as their guides. A junior monastic official of the main party, whose name was Lobsan Sewa, pretended to be the leader, while the real leader, Lama Kyutsan Rinpoche of the Sewa Monastery, was dressed in poor clothes and acted as a servant. At the gate of the house, the strangers were met by my parents, who invited Losang into the house, believing him to be the master, while the Lama and the others were received in the servant quarters. There they found the baby of the family, and the moment the little boy saw the Lama, he went to him and wanted to sit on his lap. The Lama was disguised in a cloak which was lined with lambskin, but round his neck was wearing a rosary which had belonged to the 13th Dalai Lama. The little boy seemed to recognize the rosary and he asked to be given it. The Lama promised to give it to him if he could guess who he was and the boy replied that he was Sera Aga, which meant in the local dialect a Lama of Sera. The Lama asked who the master was and the boy gave the name of Losang. He also knew the name of the real servant which was Amdokasang. The Lama spent the whole day in watching the little boy with increasing interest until it was time for the boy to be put to bed. All the party stayed in the house for the night and early next morning when they were making ready to leave. The boy got out of his bed and insisted that he wanted to go with them. I was that boy. So far, my mother and father had not suspected the real mission of the travelers they had entertained. But a few days later, the whole search party of senior lamas and high dignitaries came to our house in Taksin. At the sight of this large, distinguished party of visitors, my mother and father understood that I might be a reincarnation 
for there are many incarnate lamas in Tibet, and my elder brother had already proved to be one of them. An incarnate lama had recently died at the monastery of Kumbum, and they thought the visitors might be searching for his reincarnation, but it did not occur to them that I might be the reincarnation of the Dalai Lama himself. It is common for small children who are reincarnations to remember objects and people from their previous lives. Some can also recite the scriptures, although they have not yet been taught them. All I had said to the Lama had suggested to him that he might at last have discovered the reincarnation he was seeking. The whole party had come to make further tests. They brought with them two identical black rosaries, one of which belonged to the 13th Dalai Lama. When they offered them both to me, I took the one which was his, and so, I am told, put it round my neck. The same test was made with two yellow rosaries. Next, they offered me two drums, a very small drum which the Dalai Lama had used for calling attendance and a larger and much more ornate and attractive drum with golden straps. I chose the little drum and began to beat it in the way that drums are beaten during prayers. Last, they presented two walking sticks. I touched the wrong walking stick, then paused and looked at it for some time and then I took the other, which had belonged to the Dalai Lama, and held it in my hand. And later, when they wondered at my hesitation, they found out that the first walking stick had also been used at one time by the Dalai Lama, and that he had given it to the Lama, who in turn had given it to Kyutsan Rinpoche. By these tests, they were further convinced that the reincarnation had been found and their conviction was strengthened by the vision of three letters which the region had seen in the lake. They believed that the first letter, A, stood for Amdo, which was the name of our district. Ka could have stood for Kumbum, which was one of the largest monasteries in the neighborhood and the one which the regent had seen in the vision all the two letters Ka and Ma might have signified the monastery of Kamarube Doji on the mountain above the village. It also seemed to them to be significant that some years before, the 13th Dalai Lama had stayed at the monastery of Kamarube Doji when he was on his way back from China. He had been welcomed there by the incarnate Lama of the monastery and received homage and obeisance from the people of the village, including my father, who was nine years old at the time. I was also recalled that the Dalai Lama had left a pair of his boots, or chachen, behind at the monastery. He had also looked for some time at the house where I was born, and remarked that it was a beautiful place. By all these facts, the search party was fully convinced that the reincarnation was discovered. They reported all the details to Lhasa by telegram. There was only one telegraph line in Tibet from Lhasa to India, and so the message had to be sent in code from Sinning through China and India, and by the same route an order came back to take me at once to the holy city. However, since the northeastern part of Tibet where we lived was under Chinese control at that time, the Chinese governor had first to be consulted. The search party told him they had come to seek for the new Dalai Lama 
and asked for his help in taking possible candidates to Lhasa. They did not tell him they believed they had made a final choice for fear that he might make difficulties. And in fact, he would not give an answer. He twice summoned all the boys he was told had been considered and although he himself was a Muslim, he decided to make a test of his own. It was a very simple test. He offered a box of sweets to all of us. Some of the boys were too frightened to take any and some were so greedy that they took a handful. But I, I am told, took one and ate it discreetly. This and some questioning seemed to satisfy him that I was the likeliest choice for he sent all the other children home, presenting a roll of cloth to each of their parents. But to my parents he gave orders to take me to the monastery of Kumbum and leave me there in charge of my brother who was already a monastic student. It is said that the governor then demanded a ransom of a hundred thousand Chinese dollars from the representatives of the Tibetan government before he would let me go. This was a great deal of money and he had no right to it. They paid him but then he demanded another 300,000. The government representatives told him it was still uncertain whether I was really the reincarnation and explained that there were other candidates from other parts of Tibet. They were now afraid that if he believed I was certain to be accepted as the Dalai Lama, he would put his price even higher and cause even more delay. They also felt there was a danger that the Chinese government might take the opportunity to demand some kind of authority in Tibet. These difficulties had to be referred to Lhasa. It seemed unwise to discuss them in telegraphs through China so messages had to be sent to the capital by hand. It took several months to get a reply and altogether very nearly two years passed from the beginning of the search to the end of these negotiations with the governor. All this time, strict secrecy was observed on the whole matter, not only to fear of what the Chinese governor might do, but also because the discovery had not yet been laid before the National Assembly of Tibet for official acceptance. Not even my parents were told of the firm belief of the search party and even through the long period of waiting, they never suspected that I might be the incarnation of the highest of all lamas. However, my mother has told me, since I grew up, there had been previous signs of some extraordinary fate for me. There is a widespread superstition in Tibet that before a high incarnate lama is reborn, the district where he is born will suffer. For four years before I was born, the crops had failed in Taksir, either through hailstorms when the crop was ripe or through drought when it was young, and the village people had been saying that an incarnation must be going to be born among them. And my own family especially had fallen on hard times. Several of our horses and cattle, which were among a few valuable possessions, had died, and my father could not discover any reason. And in the few months before I was born, my father himself had been badly ill and unable to get out of bed. Yet, on the morning of my birth, he got up feeling perfectly well, and offered prayers and filled the butter lamps 
which always burned on our family altar. My mother remembers being annoyed at this and accusing him of having stayed in bed through laziness, but he declared that he was cured. When I was born and my mother told him, it's a boy, he simply said, good, I would like to make him a monk. While the discussions with the governor were going on, I was left in the monastery. I was about three by then and of course I was very unhappy at first at being separated from my parents. Beside my eldest brother Tubden Jigmin Nobu, my third brother Lobsan Samde who was five was also there. But he had begun to take lessons and while he was with his tutor I had nobody to play with. I still remember waiting impatiently outside his classroom and sometimes peering round the curtain in the doorway to try to attract his attention without letting his tutor see me. But the tutor was strict and something was helpless. Our uncle was also there and I am sorry to say that something and I had a childish dislike of him, mainly I think because he had a dark spotty face and a bristly black beard which is rare among Tibetans, and a moustache which he carefully trained by frequent applications of fat. Also, he was often cross with us, probably not without reason. I remember his exceptionally large and ostentatious rosary in which the beads were quite black from constant use. And I especially remember his set of loose-leaf scriptures because once I tried to look at it and got the loose leaves all mixed up, thus earning a few sound slaps from that angry uncle. When that sort of thing happened, something and I used to run away and hide and leave our uncle to search for us for hours. We did not realize what intense anxiety this must have caused him in view of the value which the governor had placed upon us. But such escapades proved effective for when he found us, negotiations used to take place for better relations in the future, and with luck he would pacify us with sweets, which he never gave us while we behaved ourselves. Altogether there was a lonely and rather unhappy phase in my childhood. Sometimes something's tutor used to put me on his lap and wrap me in his gown and gave me dried fruits, and that is almost the only solace I remember. My sister reminds me that one of my solitary games was playing at starting on journeys, making up parcels and then setting off with them on a hobby horse. 